to the Black and Irish podcast. This time, we're talking about traditional African homes. Parenting here presented a different kind of challenge for us, for me. So there's a pressure to maintain the familial and cultural values which which we were brought up with back in Africa, in Nigeria, while at the same time allowing our children, our Black and Irish children, to flourish. I'm Bonnie Ogemina. And I'm Amanda Ade. Joining us on the podcast today, Amanda's auntie, Tonya, and my father, Alvin. And honestly, this is one to save. Today, we're going to be taking a look at, you know, what life is like in traditional African homes. We talk about the Black Irish community, but a majority of the community kind of come from African backgrounds. So, there is this whole world of experiences that I think the wider Irish society have no idea about. So we're going to be delving a bit more into that today. And we have two very special guests with us. So we're going to pass it over to them to introduce themselves. Auntie, would you like to go first? My name is Tonya Benson or Latin Day. I am a senior tutor lecturing in applied in the Department of Applied Social Studies in Maynooth University. I've been there now for eight years teaching social policy around the themes of equality, human rights, and um, social justice. I'm a parent, and I believe that's why I'm here, an African parent, parenting a, a black and Irish child. No more child anymore now. <laughs> so anyway, um, I am happy to be here. Thank you, Auntie. And I think we'll pass it on to my dad. Dad, do you want to introduce yourself for everyone, please? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Albert Odemene. I am a parent of four lovely children, now adult children. I've been in Ireland for over 23 years. I originally came here as a diplomat. I served in the Nigerian embassy before I voluntarily uh, resigned. And I settled down in Ireland with my family. And at present, I'm a social care practitioner. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> love it, Dad. Absolutely love, love it. it. <laughs> want to have a conversation, you know, parent and child, I would say, about traditional African homes in Ireland. What are our experiences like and how does that shape our upbringing for, from our perception of myself and Amanda, but also maybe shape parenting from your perceptions, dad and, and auntie. Dad, just for us, like, what was it like for yourself moving to Ireland? It was a different experience, you know, coming to Ireland. And uh, you never know what you're expecting to meet in Ireland. It was interesting coming down here, then seeing that the weather is different, seeing everyone talking about weather, weather, the pop, <laughs> <laughs> the pop. These are the two important things that people discuss a lot. It was a, a good experience meeting people and uh, interacting with people, though I had challenges. Which, of course, if you want me to enumerate the challenges, I, would, I can go on yeah, and go, on, go on to tell you. You know, I had a kind of different challenges coming down here, you know, not being familiar with the, with the systems. So it's lonely, a kind of, for me, lack of support network, not like in, in Nigeria, whereby you have different families, extended families. But here, no one to run to. 
to go about the medical system, registering children in school, and uh, housing. So these are part of the challenge. And also to cope with the weather and also the, the food. The food, you know, it's difficult yeah. having to be living on potato and all those stuff, you know. So, <laughs> and then there was no African shop, except one African shop here then in the city center. I remember I used to go to London to buy African food when I go on oh, official, wow. official assignment. Wow. So I, I bring a lot of uh, Nigerian food down here. But it's interesting. It's interesting. But it's been a very good uh, experience living in, uh, in Ireland. Wow. Thanks for that, Uncle. That's interesting that at the time, you know, there are very few African shops, if any, around. And look how, how much that has mm. changed in the last 15 or so, or so years. Auntie, what about you? Um, yeah. what's, what's your experience on that? Relocating, especially when it's not planned or by choice, is like dislocating, really. You begin to learn how to walk again. Unfortunately, you cannot afford a physiotherapist, just as it is with our public health care here in Ireland. So you don't have that to guide you and to help you with um, reacquiring the skills to walk. Apart from the years, one will be in limbo regarding uh, legal status or in direct provision in, in case of some people. And for those years, you may not uh, be allowed to work or acquire relevant education or training. Those will be, you know, about three to eight years or more of being de-skilled. So, you know, even when one gets a legal status or to remain, it takes it still takes many more years to retrain or upskill so more years of um, not really immersing yourself into the culture that you have come into, you know, especially the work culture. So when, when one eventually gets into that space, uh, you begin to learn afresh. And even though you, you probably have been in the, in the system, in, in the country for up to 10 years, you're mm-hmm. now beginning to learn how to deal with the challenges of accessing meaningful and rewarding employment, um, all the time learning how to deal with racism in work uh, spaces and, and the wider society. So all these are can hold one's um, settling in and progressing back for nearly, you know, for up to 20 years uh, or a lifetime because you probably never really, um, racism is still is still a reality. So you're continuously dealing with that. So for most migrants, especially those of African descent, they are likely to be stuck in certain jobs that never really let them shake off or settling properly into the system. And, and that's, that really impacts on one. So you find yourself that you have been here now as well for nearly 20 years. And, you know, one is just beginning to come into the rhythm of your plan or what, what one planned for oneself, um, which is nearly 20 years delayed. But all the same, um, I enjoy being in Ireland and I'm happy to be here. For myself, comparing the experiences of my father and many of uh, my aunties and uncles who moved to Ireland. For people like myself and Amanda, and many of us around my age group, Ireland was our first memory or our earliest memories. The adaptation my father and auntie would have had to have made, it's not really the adaptation we would have, because it was literally our our first, for me anyway, my first experiences was here in Ireland. And I always thought to myself, you know, I never really noticed much differences until I got a bit older in regards to cultural differences, whether that be food, music, and ways of talking. I'll give you a quick example. Like, I always wondered why, and, and a lot of 
definitely uh, African people, West African predominantly would know this. A lot of my Irish friends would say, I'm going to have a shower or going to have a bath. Well, my house, it was bath. Bath. Everyone would be having a shower, but sometimes, you know, when the, when the hot water's not there, for us, a bucket on water. <laughs> Buckets, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally. That's so true. And these are things like so many of us within our community, we know of, we know, bathing, comb mm-hmm. your hair. Here's another one, a classic <laughs> one. My mom would never, dad, you know, mom, she'll never allow me and all my siblings to leave the house without and in an orange you'd say putting applying lotion we would say rub cream rubbing cream oh, rub cream <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know yeah actually amanda was there anything you noticed that was quite different lingo wise or culturally wise lingo wise yeah i feel like the main thing was what we touched off at the start there yeah i just remember times i'd be with my white irish friends and i would see an auntie and uncle or whatever and you know in the yoruba culture predominantly i think there's this thing called a dobale where you kind of have to curtsy, um, you know, for like an elder or someone. I'd be, oh, yeah, hello, auntie. And I would dobale or whatever. And they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> it was just things like that. I think those little little cultural differences, predominantly, I think, when I was growing up. Linking to that now, Amanda, even, even for us that moved here already as adults, and I see that a lot, African students uh, in, in, in MU here, the eye contact thing. We weren't brought up to look at certain, you know, people that are much your parents, people that are that we to call aunties and uncles. Yeah. Um, you you don't look at them um, the steadily in the eye. You will look yeah. and take off your eye, otherwise you eyeballing them, and that's disrespectful. Mm. But coming to Ireland, then to realize that the opposite is is the case. <laughs> oh. When you don't look at people eye to eye, they feel disrespe- disrespected, or that you're hiding something. You're being shady. Yeah, let me take it up from. From there as well. Talking about making eye contact between the younger one and the elder one, we discovered that in Nigeria is, is a bit different as well. That is the southeast and the southwest still have their own differences. In the part I come from, the Ebola, the children they look at you, your face, they understand and talk to you. So, and it, it is interesting too when I discover that in the west where you come from, so children don't look at their elders. Do you understand? Don't look at their face to talk to them. But in Igbo land, they look at you, the younger ones look at you and talk, but then they will talk to you with respect. But making eye contact, they do make the eye contact. That's a slight different from that. And when in my family as well, I I don't expect my children not to look at my face and talk to In fact, if I say no one should look at my face, I tell you, Bonnie will look at my face and we'll talk. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I can tell you that. So, but uh, mm-hmm. is yeah. it, but yeah. culturally, it was, it, it's not wrong in my own culture for, for that to happen mm. in Igbo land. Yeah, yeah I, know. Think, um, I, I, I agree yeah. with I think, that. Um, I think it's also important here to also caveat this conversation by then like the listeners understand that even though the title of this is traditional african homes in africa itself there are a multitude of different cultures within it mm-hmm. and even though yeah. four of us here are nigerians there are 300 different ethnic groups in nigeria with 300 different cultural differences you know <laughs> not more so exactly. it, yeah this just adds to the complexity, complexity and with... the beauty of, of yeah. the black irish community Absolutely. that we're so diverse and non-homogenous in this way um, I, I, knew, I know myself growing up, and I know we're going to go into parenting soon, but I know with my dad, and I'm sure this was probably similar with you, Amanda, my mom would never allow me to take anything with my left hand. 
Oh no, you can't. Yeah, Never you with can't. the left hand. <laughs> you can't or, or, or you know the classic. Doesn't matter if you know your parents' guest. If there's a guest in that house, you may not have met them before. You must come downstairs and greet your auntie and uncle mm-hmm. <laughs> by fire, yeah. by force. You must. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. These were, <laughs> and these were like traditional things from home that mm-hmm. a lot of Black Irish people from of African descent grew up in in our house. To the extent that this can actually apply in the real world. So I remember there were times I would go to my in primary school, I would go to my friend's house and they will like they'll may say, Oh, do you want to have this or do you want to have that? And I'd be like, Oh no, I'm good. Or they'd be like, Oh, you don't really talk much. Because in my house, being quiet is a sign of being polite. <laughs> with mm. the way I, I was brought up. It's interesting that we've kind of gone towards the direction of culture and cultural differences here. But, um, you know, fundamentally at the core of everything, this the same tune seems to be ringing for me. And that's just this thing of respect. Mm. I think respect is just throughout African culture that that's the... One, one of the yeah one of the cornerstones there of African culture we can't talk about African culture without talking about respect and respect for elders in particular. I think that's one of the principles that everything else is, you know, founded upon. topic back to culture we've touched off some of the differences there there's obvious differences when it comes to trying to parent a child in Nigeria versus trying to parent a child here in Ireland so just from your own perspectives and your own experiences what was that like was there much of a culture clash were there many differences and then how did you navigate that there are differences definitely parenting here presented a different kind of challenge for us for me so there's a pressure to maintain the familial and cultural values which we were which we were brought up with in back in Africa in Nigeria while at the same time allowing our children our black and irish children to flourish in the hybridity of their identities which is which is their reality here in Ireland you know helping him to balance that to encourage that hybridity in here you know of his own identity has been challenging because sometimes we seem to now be a little bit overbearing um with our own culture <laughs> you're laughing just a little, a bit. little bit just a little bit Amanda <laughs> Bonnie, just a little bit a little we, we, mm. we tend to be a little bit overbearing back in africa as well a child is is raised by the community yeah. So I, I think Bonnie's dad was, um, Albert was trying to say that even though his system went a bit uh, off there. But, you know, we are raised by our community. We have all the support system we want, the granddads, the grandmoms, the aunts and uncles, and the whole community raised the child. So it is a little bit um, difficult to be parenting nearly on our, by ourselves here. Those are just um, some of the challenges, you know. So dad, so what about for yourself? Like, were there any major challenges you came across yourself parenting black children in Ireland coming from Nigeria? First of all, I'm a traditional Igbo man, you know, and I try as much as possible. Yeah, I am. Of course I am. And um, <laughs> I don't want my children to lose their sense of the Igbo culture. And on the other hand, too, I don't want them to lose uh, 
uh, on the Irish side. So bringing these two cultures, bringing the cultures together, that is where the challenge lies. There are quite a few things like a teenage relationship, you know. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. you know, I will go over and over that again, you know. So it's easy you see a, a child of about 12 years or a, 10 years of 12, 13 years, you're having a boyfriend and a girlfriend. But in the Igbo traditional culture, it is like a, a taboo. Then I, I have to learn to be patient with my children. I have to listen to them. I have to a kind of adapt to the new environment. So all along, it wasn't a, a problem. But initially, I see it as a something that, that is challenging to me. But at the end of it, I'd, I think I, we were able to agree on one thing. The children, they had to understand me and tried as much as possible not to do certain things that we made their father or parents not to be happy or something like that. And also coming from a Catholic family, so that helped us a lot as well. Ireland is an Irish, is a Catholic society. I would just say a Catholic society, but we try as much as possible to adapt to the system. To raise four children here wasn't an easy thing. By listening to them, supporting my children, and uh, building resilience, then that helped them as well. They have been able to learn Igbo culture, with Irish culture. particular celebrations in particular African homes that are paramount in a family's ongoings day to day. I know that from our family, Bazaar and Mother's Day are massive. The Yam Festival, um, Iriji, massive. Mm-hmm. So Dad, do you want to like talk more, maybe more about some of our big um, celebrations, the festival and Antti as well, if you want to add to that? Bonnie, I'm very proud of you. You've mentioned Iriji. Uh, Uruji, which is like <laughs> New Yam fest- Festival. Uh, in, in Igbo land, we celebrate a yam. You, can, you don't just start eating the yam, but we do what we call Uruji. It's a big ceremony. Though in Igbo land, different community celebrate the, the culture on different different days. It's not a space, there's no specific day for the whole Igbo community to celebrate it. It's done in different ways you know kind of to give thanks to god you know for the massive harvest for the year and the yam is the king of all the uh products so that's why we Ibus, we celebrate a new yam festival you know it's more than uh feeding in african families is a culture is um it's easy to celebrate different apart from different uh ceremonies Christmas and New Year and Easter and the traditional ones like the Iriji that um, uh, Uncle mentioned there. But, you know, it is a way to to welcome people, to make people feel at home. You use food to show how much you welcome somebody into your home. 
and that goes for anybody that comes into your home really <laughs> we, we we got a, some a bit of shock once in a while here especially in our early days here when you go to somebody's house for good reasons you you, you didn't get crashed you know you've been invited for for one thing or the other and um, to start with you know people invite you come out for lunch and you think that okay <laughs> so it says this person has invited you it is the way it is back home that the person has prepared you know to to treat you or actually you know invite you out for a party and you find out that when you get there you you buy your own drinks you know and meanwhile Hmm. it's not like that (laughs) before you are invited before somebody you know hosts a party uh, back in africa the person has planned ahead and has planned for those that uh, (laughs) they they are invited and have Half of that number that we are not invited, you plan for all that they will eat and drink. Mm-hmm. In- all the possible ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, here you go to a party, you have to buy your drink, you have to you yeah. know, um, go to a wedding, you have to, you know, buy, pay for your drinks and your, Answer. you know, so exactly so it's, it's not uh so food is a much more um uh, back home than uh than just to feed the belly it is a way to show to welcome people show friendship and d- different cultures have different uh, food that they eat or use for festivals as well perspective as well growing up uh, some of the cultural clashes in which I had to try and balance which is quite a which are quite known amongst anyone who grows up in an African home a Nigerian home etc the whole teenage relationships having boyfriends and girlfriends <laughs> 100% no no in my house growing up mm-hmm. uh, going to parties or going to clubs going to teen discos for me I know it's different in other black households in my household it was a no no until a certain age there are things like that which are quite known within African homes that can cause a cultural clash. And it's always about trying to find that right balance. Because I know for my parents, I know for many African-Irish parents, there's a cultural background that's applied in parenting. But for a lot of us growing up, we're just trying to fit in. And then yeah. we're trying to find our place in Irish society as a black person, as an African person, and to not feel left aside. That can cause tension or a clash within the home. I know that for myself from hearing from other people. Yeah, no, it was pretty much the same. Them parenting through this, the cultural lens that, you know, they brought from Africa. I think even beyond that, I think the fact that parents have, you know, migrated here or come to Ireland, many different circumstances in many different ways, you know, they've now found themselves in Ireland and now they're in this position where they're trying to raise a child the best way they know how in a completely foreign environment. That in itself, I think indirectly, and and this is one thing that I've battled my parents with over the years, because, you know, they've gone through all of that and now we're here, there's almost an expectation for you to be above and beyond. You must be the best at everything now. You must must be first in your class. You must graduate with a one-one. You must get a degree, get, get a good job. And those are all good things. Those are all positive things. Those are things that we should aspire to, because why not? There is this certain pressure, a lot of kids from not even just African backgrounds, I think any kind of migrant background kind of face. So academic pressures, there's pressures on religious pressures, there's pressures in your, your social life. So I think it really, it filters into 
almost every aspect of your living. When I was younger, it felt like I hate this so much. This is an attack. But I think as you grow older, you realize that it was out of a place of love because they want the yeah. best for you. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Amanda. Thank you, thank Bonnie you. and Amanda. And thank you, Tonya, for coming. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Nice uh, having this chat with you. I have to find a way to, to meet you when, when it permits to tell you about my own roots and see and see where exactly you come from. And maybe my, who knows, my, my father may be somehow related to you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because now, my dad was born in the north as well, actually. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Um, uh, you could probably stop recording this, so it's yeah, not yeah, going yeah. well over. Yeah, they're just having yeah. a chat now. <laughs> So that's it for this episode of the Black and Irish Podcast. And remember, you can listen back to all of our episodes on rte.ie forward slash podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And make sure you follow us on our socials at black underscore and Irish. Bye.